Welcome to Thought Speak, the original Animorphs podcast dedicated to K.A. Applegate's sci-fi classic. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Coleman. And we're back at you with another Thought Speak. And so excited, I must say, to be bringing you the end of the series, the countdown. We are officially in the last six books of the series. There are five more after this. Holy crap, folks. Worth, it's a code brown. Worth pointing out, though, that uh, one of those is the Olympus Chronicles, which is, you know, it's a pretty hefty read. You know, all the Chronicle books are a little bigger than normal. Uh, but it, you know, definitely one of the ones that breezes by because it's incredible. Spoilers for my future review. <laughs> it's It's going to be very difficult to, you know, go forward with... Uh, harsh criticisms i guess um given how much i love the end of the series here i'm trying i mean especially these books i haven't read before but it would help if they would stop completely blowing my mind at how you know i didn't see them being this good (laughs) in the ones i haven't read (laughs) yeah exactly and you know what one thing i wanted to mention quick while it's on my mind is that i didn't realize we already had the final rachel book in the series and we already had the final uh, Tobias book in the series. This one is the last Cassie book. And I think it really, um, so far, it, it might be the best like character send-off uh, of the series. Well, it's worth, it's worth saying real quick, um, we'll get into uh, how this works as the last Cassie book. Um, but how do you feel the Rachel and Tobias books, books worked as the last book in their arc? So that's the thing, is I was looking at those and thinking about that before this review, and I, I was pretty disappointed, right, with the Rachel, uh, the David return, and that kind of being her ultimate... Uh, well, I think the plot but... is not as serious as some of these other final books. Obviously, it's it's definitely that more, um, you know, Marvel Cosmos storyline, dealing with the Elimist and Krayak and all that. Uh, but I feel like Rachel's arc, specifically in that book, having to deal with David coming back and who she is, what kind of warrior she is, if she still kind of has her humanity or if she's just a full fledged does what it takes to, to end the war. I thought it, it touched on that very well. So for her last Rachel book, I thought it, it kind of completed her arc somewhat. It will come back into play with her, you know, ending. Mm-hmm, her uh, real ending. So it, it, it's setting it up well. And Tobias is uh, the, the previous book that we just reviewed. I think it was it was good. Um, I mean, he I got he got his family back. What an arc that he got some family, I, you know. Yeah, a happy Tobias book is hard to come by, so yeah. we'll take it. And in just what uh, exciting book in general. I mean, Tobias storyline was was very B plot in that book, but uh, but yeah, just just a good book in general. Um, so right, and it and it is pushing the series towards the end, and we are. Going to review book uh, 50, The Ultimate, which, as we said, is the last Cassie book. Uh, Can I go ahead and read the back really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Really big trouble is an understatement these days. The war between the Yerks and the Animorphs is full on, and it's definitely going to get worse. But Cassie, the other Animorphs, and Axe have a lot more going on than just trying to stay alive. Now they've got to actively protect their families and the free hork and they no longer believe they can do it alone. The Yerks are just too powerful. So Cassie and the others have to ask themselves a very important question. Is it time to increase their numbers? 
They all remember too well what happened with David, the Animorph gone bad. But this time, do they really have a choice? And that uh, tells you that it's going to be uh, another serious step forward in the series in terms of changing up the continuity and uh, extending the the cast more, right? Potentially. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Getting into the front of the cover, uh, I want to start with the blurb. Uh, Now there are no more secrets. I mean, kind of. I mean, I think there's there's a few little secrets uh, that they especially uh, talk no, about this book specifically. There's still some secrets. There's some yeah. secrets. Uh, they still know how many of them are are andalites, and then you have the whole new auxiliary animorphs, which is a pretty big secret. And you got to think of like the chi and stuff. Like the Yurks have no idea that there's an ancient race of robot dogs helping them out. That's a pretty big secret. Yes, that's true. Um, we've we've still got quite a bit more development with the Yurk peace front. As well as the uh, I like that surprise. they're showing up in little bits. I like that that the Yurk piece front is just like oh here's one here's one Horkbajir warrior who uh, who is part of that you know front probably. Well, and another really cool thing that's coming up is the surprise Taxon piece mm-hmm. movement as yep. well. That's the answer. I have read that book, um, so. That is a very yeah, cool book. Yeah, a lot of cool things to, to come. And uh, really quickly, I'm looking at the inside cover, and it's pretty standard, right? It's like the outside of a, a hospital building with the owl um, right outside the window. But the thing is, the image that they used for the owl is like from an owl in flight or mm-hmm. something. So it really looks like they just photoshopped it right next to the wall, like very see. unrealistically. Yeah, you should have brought it up on the wiki beforehand, but <laughs> like, like it's just an owl photoshopped up against this wall. Like it could be colliding with it. It could be, well, it could be doing any any number of things except for hovering competently outside the window to talk to people. No, it's better. So, it's even better. Um, the front of the cover cool. is kind of cool looking, though. I mean, it's standard standard anamorph morphine. But the uh, back is like this kind of cool like tie dye. I I like the color variation. Yeah. Actually. It's neat. And I like the, the letters. The letter coloring is cool. The, the purple. Um, yeah. It's an attractive cool. book. <laughs> it is. Um, and I like that so the, we... the, you know, the actress playing Cassie, you know, she looks a little older. She doesn't look as young. So towards the end of the series, that's that's cool to have. Totally. And um, this actually reminds me, this is a great time to bring up the fact that uh, we forgot to mention our Patreon right off the bat. No, I was gonna, um, I was gonna lead into that because I thought we could talk about the cover, which we just kind of did. Lead into the Patreon, okay. and then we you will stop. About that. We will stop for a tasteful ad break before we jump into the actual book. Hey, that sounds great to me. New Thought Speak format. Five episodes till the end. <laughs> Let's do this. I love changing the format on the fly. Yeah, and you know, survive improvise adapt overcome all that stuff (laughs) yep that's the animorph way anyway can i get into thanking our patrons real quick because we've uh we've got some new additions that are are cool uh i i just want to thank andrew our buddy ben freeman nicholas guy and our newcomer jacqueline fisher thank y'all so much 
Um, really, this Patreon is only going to be active for a couple more months as we finish out the show here. And having your guys' support towards the end of the life cycle really helps us uh, stay on track to finish this out in a timely manner for all of you. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we we're saw... Releasing... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, we saw you know these new patrons jump in there, and we were like, oh, wow, okay, well, it's only been a week since we released the last episode, but uh, let's go ahead and record again. So if you don't think the Patreon works for keeping us in line, it absolutely does. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And we're also trying to roll out some last-minute benefits uh, just to make the Patreon a little bit more worth your while. You might have seen on our Facebook page we posted a private thought speak, return to that side podcast. It's a lot of fun. It's like a whole separate sideshow, and it's going to kind of set you up for hopefully what we're going to be launching post Thought Speak. So lots of exciting things to come. Yeah, so thanks for doing that. Um, let's before we talk about the book, let's jump into a quick little ad break, which again also really helps the show. Thanks, Coleman. That was a really interesting product you displayed there and talked about. Now let's get back into uh, book fifty the ultimate hey we're back and did you want to did you want to discuss some theories as to why this book is called the ultimate or should we is that something to save for the end because no, i was a little puzzled too. here yeah i mean what what do you think specifically is is the ultimate call out in this uh this specific book well i thought it might have been referring to the ultimate sacrifice perhaps uh regarding like jake and his choice towards the end and Cassie's choice towards the end as well. But I don't, I, I need to develop that theory a little I, bit more. If I were going to extend this title, I would call it the ultimate mistake possibly. Oh. And you could, and that could refer to a couple things. It could be a huge mistake to give other people the morphing power as we've seen in the past. It could be a, a huge mistake. What happens at the end with Cassie, which I don't think we're really spoiling anything for anyone. If, if you're this far into our, our thoughts, okay. speak Wars podcast, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are a few things that could relate to that. Uh, I like also... where you're going with that mistake thing. I, I would also say that sacrifice might apply to the, the auxiliary animorphs to come, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they make up, especially the ones who are healed. They're making a pretty big sacrifice. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's really interesting that, um, I mean, this is the ultimate Cassie book, uh, you know, the last one for her. So I don't think that's what it's referring to, but I think it was probably just, uh, the title of the marketing team was like, uh, we need something after the, uh, penultimate. <laughs> no, no ultimate. Yeah. Let's do that one. It could have been a case of, you know, maybe we just didn't have the best idea for uh, a more descriptive title for this one, whatever the case uh, the plot actually starts us out right after the, the events of the previous book. You know, it was kind of a hopeful note for Tobias, but kind of a downer for everybody else, especially Jake. And starting this one out, they're, they're just trying to, like, figure out how they're going to defend their new post. They're running training drills in the Horkbajir Valley. Um, and it's not going super well. Uh... They, well, I, they have some tactics that they're trying to employ now. Well, I love the start of this where the combat drill, um, you know, it kind of is the thing where it tries to fool you into thinking that something's wrong and we're in an emergency, but really it's them yeah. running a drill with the Hork-Bajir. And, man, the parents, this is what we expected. We knew this was coming. 
But I, again, I had read uh, the last three books in the series, so I missed the whole part with their parents joining them at first and, and you know, not getting along with each other and, and really it's like, kind of run out of camp. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it's it's pretty good drama for the Animorphs book and that, you know, their parents aren't going to take a bunch of orders from kids. And the, the whole beginning of this book and, and you know, going into the main plot is, is kind of about Jake. You know, he's been leading the Animorphs this whole time. Is he going to step up and be a leader of, you know, everyone, like of, of humans? And that starts with their parents in this book. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful point. Uh, Jake's leadership has been tested so hard to this point. Um, there there are still hurdles to climb with that because his team trusts him and, and counts on him, but everyone else around him is still sort of on the fence about it. Uh, and like you said, the parents, they're just, they're, they're adding so much more complications to it. And Cassie is still trying to come at Jake from like, a relationship angle you know she's really scared of losing the jake that she knows you can tell that's just done now like there's no time to even have these cute little moments where they hold hands and no one's watching like jake is burnt out from being a leader from being an animorph he's questioning every decision he makes and she's like trying to support him again as, as you said like this person who cares about him but she's also just like hey if he doesn't do this we're all gonna die so, you know, <laughs> we just need him to do that. So her kind of pushing him and, and the whole calling the meeting and not telling him, I don't know if that was the best route to go. Uh, she, but... she makes lots of questionable tactical decisions throughout the book. That is for sure. Um, and real quick, I would love to plug the Facebook page because I did a reading from the book that I think really demonstrates uh, the tension involved with the Animorphs trying to bring their parents onto, like, the actual tactical side of the war and and her really trying to nail that with her mother. Um, and uh, you can watch that uh, on our Facebook page. It's fun. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, it turned out really good. Um, but, you know, Cassie calls this meeting and, and kind of forces Jake into the spotlight and this is when he kind of uh, starts. You can kind of hear him taking charge and the, the parents kind of perking up like, hey, this 15-year-old, he might have some might have some good ideas. But, uh, you know, it's still just the start of him kind of regaining his confidence. It helps that he's got good support because Axe clearly vouches for him and the the leader of the Hork-Bajir, you know, uh, they specifically state, and, and having... Eva, I think the former Visor one in the fold uh, really helps their cause too because she is able to inform them how much of a threat Visor 3, now Visor 1, uh, believes Jake to be specifically. So Jake's getting that little spark towards his leadership stuff back and he's still really focused on you know ending these war efforts. Um, but But he's not shy anymore about adding to their ranks he's the one who proposes it and it totally makes sense at this point i wish there would have been a little more discussion about adding animorphs um they they touch on david i wish they would have been like like rachel really stub and be like no no we're not doing this and she she kind of does but i don't know i feel like there could have been a, a more drama in that scene of like this is really this almost got killed in the past uh we should really <laughs> talk about this but they they do decide to add some more and uh this i think they came to a little quickly the whole, oh, the only people we can add are, are disabled kids. Like, they come to that decision really quick. Um, 
and it's the most logical point to them, which I get. I totally understand the logic of it. I'm just surprised. It's almost like the author was whispering in their ears, like, hey, what about this? You know, like inclusion about inclusivity. Yeah, I get that. But you know what? It does make sense from from their point of view. Um, they need to recruit soldiers. And there's there's not a whole lot of other groups that they can really trust. It's a, it's more of a trust thing. They know well, that this group is trustworthy because of these circumstances. Well, if it was for inclusivity, um, A, that really kind of bites them at the end of the series. And B, um, I think it's worthwhile solely because of the moral argument it adds to the book. I thought the the kind of discussion about if you gave them the power to, um, should you know the most vulnerable in our society still fight to keep that society, even you know, even if the you know they're more at risk than we are, they're still fighting for the right same rights that we are in a you know war scenario. And I love that debate. I thought that was a very adult debate for this book. Um, you know, one thing that they could have brought up in that regard would have been the fact that, yeah, this is, this is wartime situation. And so these people are being given this power to fight specifically with the, the moral or ethical thing to do would obviously be to use this technology to heal their, their uh, ailments, if that's possible, or, you know, Mm -hmm. get them better actual bodies to change to, but those are ideal situations. Can I bring up a real world parallel to this right now? Totally. Okay. I don't think this is going to be a, a, you know, a very political statement or anything, but um, you look at <laughs> we'll like what's going on. You look like what's going on in Ukraine right now, which if, I don't know when you're listening to this uh, podcast, but Ukraine is currently being uh, invaded by Russia. It's, it's kind of a, it's a very modern war that we're just seeing broadcast over social media, which is crazy. It's um, no York invasion. I'll give it that, but yeah, it's real. Exactly. It's a real thing. And the fact that you're seeing, you know, a country who, you know, civilians are being targeted. It's, it's, that's the craziest thing to see just blatant targeting of civilians, tanks targeting cars driving down the street, stuff like that. Uh, But parallel to this, you know, it's not up to, they can't just conscript, you know, able-bodied males to fight for the country and that's it. Like everyone is actually doing their part to fight back an invasion in their actual homes. And I saw a video literally yesterday of like a 75 year old woman who opened her trunk and just had Molotov cocktails just (laughs) filling her trunk. And they're all in like, you know, like Coke bottles and, and frozen water bottles and stuff like, yeah, there's a lot of cool things. I've seen like a tow truck driver who towed away a tank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And this is, this is, that's war. That's real war because when they're coming for you, and it's not, you know, no Geneva Convention is going to stop them from doing what they're going to do at this point. Uh, the UN is powerless. So, so yeah, that's what you do in wartime. You take everyone to fight for their right to, to live. <laughs> and they're coming up with some really creative measures for doing so. It's it's mm-hmm. very cool to see modern war play out, as, as weird as that very sounds. Very cool I mean, and it's, very it's, sad. I mean, it's Yeah, awful. It's, it's a bad thing. Um, I mean, I've, I actually, it's it's made me have some pretty rough days where I, I don't feel like I have the, the privilege or the right to not click on a video if it shows something horrible because that's something someone is living through right now, you know? Um, yes. It's pretty rough sometimes. but it, it, It's very, very fitting 
um, with Animorphs, oddly enough, because Animorphs is so much about war. It's about, you know, social situations, socioeconomical, all that stuff is, is encapsulated in this. This is why we love this series. Um, but it's so cool to see them finally making that decision to expand their numbers. I, I personally, I think maybe they should have been doing this a long time ago. Um, waiting for for this long in the story is well. It's, is a it's little... kind of the genius of the of the writing. I mean, I'll, I'll keep patting them on the back because they introduced David, and that that shook them. You know, they they weren't going to do that again anytime soon. And it's only now when they're when they're fully desperate that they turn to it again. Um, so it makes sense. I mean, even everyone, all their allies, Andalites that they found, uh, everyone's burned them over and over again. So just having anyone join their ranks, they're they're pretty um, particular. It was really nice, actually, for all the callbacks um, to the earlier books because they mentioned like they bring up the Veckles again, which mm-hmm. is which is the Andalites with disabilities or Andalite disability word, and they mention Myrtle from a previous book, and yeah, references just, to David. Axe was really interesting uh, and characterizing this book in a very different way. Axe. Uh, was very intolerant throughout this entire book. Basically, the Andalite stance is that if you're disabled, you are not able to contribute to society in any meaningful way. And he was very cold about that, which, again, good for a series being interesting and showing an alien acting like an alien and outside just humanistic morals, Um, but still rough to read, especially when you have kids in the next page who you're like, oh, I like them. X is wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It, it's like uh, Axe has been just really uh, conflicted with with his lessons. Um, well, I think we got a lot of I think we got a lot of ghost written Axe books that made him one of the fun characters, and the Applegates are back in charge now. So uh, <laughs> this is the end it. of the series. They are going to write this character the way they intended, which is this fish out of water alien this is this is like ptsd acts now Mm -hmm. exactly he's he's done and he's been making you know he knocked out jake a few books ago like he's he's making the hard wartime decisions too um (laughs) that's right but but after they decided to uh to actually you know find uh, a rehabilitation center or a hospital something that has like you know like long-term um kids they wanted to specifically they want to specifically target kids because they think that kids have a better um, jump into suspic- uh, suspension of disbelief and, and jump into a scenario where they believe that aliens are real and, and the morphing can happen. It's, it's just They've shown that it works better. Yeah, and I, I would say that this book is really like concise and it just flows very quickly. Um, we talked briefly outside of the podcast that I felt it didn't really stick to that formulaic um, three act structure that a lot of these books fall into. And the closest thing that the book, this book has to a, a B plot is like this little bit here where they're just trying to go start the mission and they encounter all these difficulties and they end up, you know, like fitting in with a group of performers and they're kind of gallivanting about the hospital. Well, no, I disagree with you on that. I think the B plot is um, Jake regaining his confidence and and leadership abilities i think that you see that it's not super strong it's not like a every five pages you see that come up again but it does go throughout the entire book ending with the kind of big thing that happens um so Uh, i I do think that's the b plot is jake stepping up and becoming a leader for everyone not just the animorphs 
Okay, I guess I, I can see your point there. I meant like as far as um, kind of cutaway style different yeah. scenes. Otherwise, yeah, everything yeah. really flows kind of chronologically from event to event here. Um, but once they're inside the hospital and then they're they're kind of mingling, there's some great comedy moments with Marco again. Who is? Well, hold on. I want to point out one thing before we get to the hospital. I have no idea why they landed at the bike shop, they stole these bikes, and then immediately ran into controllers. Like, I know controllers are on the lookout for them, but just a few kids stealing bikes, they instantly get shot at with Dracon beams? Like, oh, yeah. that made no sense to me. <laughs> I don't understand that. It. I think it, you're right. It was a super fast overreaction for plot purposes. Um, I think it's just meant to demonstrate that any amount of time that these kids put in public is dangerous and this could be a potential result is is like, controllers are so plentiful now that they are all trained to look specifically for these kids faces can i can i offer a an alternative scene that would have been just as short and been in this part right here yeah not having them steal bikes and try to bike across town and get chased well no they 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 land at this bike shop okay and they're like, oh, a bike shop. Maybe they'll let us, like, rent some bikes or something, and then we can go a little more stealthy up there. And so, like, maybe Cassie goes in, and she's talking to the guy saying, hey, can I get, like, six bikes? Here, here's some money. And then a guy comes out from the back, and he just screams. And he's, like, there's one controller there who obviously they've had their faces imprinted in them in this, at this point and know who they all are. But just run into a couple normal people, and then there's a controller or something like that would have sure, been sure a little less than, jarring, yeah, yeah, just jumping out of the into the alley and be like, "Hey, those kids, oh, they're the animorphs." <laughs> you know? Frankly, I I could have had it with them just flying straight to the hospital, um, and kind of skipping over the getting in there part. Nah. Uh, but the the main point is that they're under the disguise of like magic performers, high schoolers. And they're they're failing to impress the kids with their um, tricks. Uh, Marco managed to swipe a pigeon, which I think was probably one of the the highest points of comedy within the book. Well, I like the dynamic. Okay, so first off, with these kids, um, this is something that is going to uh, be a thing for me, and I'll bring it up here instead of in the review because I could have used. Uh, without the Applegates and this book specifically making me really like these kids. This is something <laughs> that has now hurt my enjoyment of Animorphs. Cause I, I went through blissfully in the past going straight into book, you know, like 52 or whatever, and then reading to the end of the series and, Oh, the auxiliary Animorphs. I didn't, I didn't read about that, but I guess they have more Animorphs now. Oh, okay. They all, they all died. You know, big deal. <laughs> whatever. That's, that's sad. Spoilers. It's kind of messed up. They wrote that. It's not, it's it's anim we're we're at the end. This is not spoilers barely. Um but the the auxiliary animorphs being wiped out was always like, Oh, it's kinda messed up that they did that. That's weird. Now I know these kids. Now I actually like their personalities. I like what yeah. they added. I I I like the idea of how hopeful they are. Like when they had the one kid, you know, they're they're trying to make this decision um on whether they should give them powers or not. And uh, they're, they're trying to tell them, like, hey, some of you might be healed uh, and you need to keep acting paralyzed. Like, you need to keep acting what your ailment was. And you have one kid come up and say, yeah, I, I'll, I'll still do this afterwards. Will I make a difference? Like, can I do good from this? 
I'm no joke. Like I teared up. Like I was like really emotionally impacted by, by these kids in this book. And so again, this, this kind of ruined animorphs for me and that I didn't care about these kids before. And now I do. And I know what happens to them. They're so thanks. They're very endearing. Um, I think, and this is like they're well-written characters. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's very much a cast that you want to see expanded on. Really, you do. They, I would have loved a side series, yeah. <laughs> especially when when Colette is acting uh, flirty with Marco. You're like, oh, oh fun. Yeah. And James just seems like, you know, the new leader. They could do so but much he's got different the dynamic between him and Jake, right? Yeah, he's got different issues than Jake, though, which makes him interesting. Like, he's a different kind of leader. And he's looking out for everybody, but he's kind of been forced in that situation. Like, he's been forcibly made empathetic by his uh situation like his situation that happened with his parents and being abandoned and all that like interesting backstories that they did not have to give these kids and they did (laughs) yeah and it really makes you look forward i guess to more interactions between james and jake and the team well the the few that we're gonna get yeah you know? <laughs> totally. But uh, the the cool thing is um, these characters are awesome and James accepts, you know, the conditions, uh, except that he gets to pick his own team. And then mm-hmm. we're kind of introduced to like the core cast of Auxiliary Animorphs being James, Colette, Timmy, Kelly, and Pedro are kind of the most notable ones. We joked a little bit earlier that the names aren't really going to matter much going forward if we're being honest, because I don't think these characters get quite the fleshing out uh, depth that we uh, uh, will hope for or or are accustomed to with the other characters in the series. But these are our new Animorphs, and and that's exciting. It's also cool that there's so many of them. They didn't just add, you know, three or four Animorphs. They added... 17. 23. Well, it's 23 total. Is that with the Animorphs? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so 17 additions. That's, you know, that's a little battalion they got going on Just now. <laughs> imagine if the Applegates decided uh, to push Animorphs into, like, a phase two from here, and we did get, like, ten more books in the series, and we were able mm-hmm. to sprinkle in some of these auxiliary characters in the uh, the order to shake things up. Yeah, it would have been really cool to have maybe a book have from their perspective. Rachel still die right, so she gets replaced yeah. by another character. Like, oh, a James well, book. But well, yeah, just a James book before the end of the series would have been cool. Um, that would have been really neat. But um, they go to the garden, which this part I I forgive them for kind of glossing over it. I don't think there's any. Um, it was nice cool to, way to have a surprise to reveal. show them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I don't think there's a cool way to have them, like, awkwardly get their morphs, as as people with handicaps would be doing. Mm. Uh, they just kind of mentioned that, like, oh, I don't know how we got out of there alive, you know, with them not being able to, like, run away from animals and stuff. So They, they um, absolutely could have expanded, you're right, but I think it was in the best interest of the book to keep mm-hmm. the plot moving and to keep the emotion and tone consistent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Some of the kids got like snakes and, and they, you know, I think pretty worthless morphs though. Yeah. They had some pretty dumb picks. I, I frankly thought the best idea or one of the best ideas they could have gone with is just everybody going wolf. Imagine a pack of 17 wolves. <laughs> oh, but no, no, no. The one, one exception though. 
I, again, I'm a huge David fan. I'm a humongous David fan. Best books in the series to me. I was blown away and, again, got emotionally impacted when James took the same lion more oh, that God, David yeah. have. Yep. And the, the metaphor there of, like, hey, we're going to give the morphine power back to people, and you have James, like, basically – uh, return that lion to grace <laughs> instead of being this this thing they're afraid of. I, I thought that it was... It redeemed Lion Morph. You didn't have to do that, Applegate. You didn't have to make me care that much about this book and these people. And just right? just the little... The line where Cassie mentions, like, Jake had no noticeable reaction to when he found out what James's pick was. He just said, you know, nice pick. <laughs> like that yeah, that was that was just, cool it showed a little bit of character uh, growth for jake i think yeah and it's just man you know an- it's another just, thing I mean, it's really good se- 17 <laughs> elephants 17 grizzly bears they could have they could have just really really went with group tactics swarm tactics well no this. i think i think having different morphs though has always benefited the animorphs you know you have different roles for each person in the group you have you have rachel who plays the tank you have the wolves who are like the spellcasters. They can get in and out quick. You know, it's, it makes sense. They have different stats, sure. But but yeah. really, you throw 17 elephants at anything, and it's <laughs> not going to be a problem for long. Even one of Visor 3, Visor 1's butt pole morphs. <laughs> well, no, because they tried that. Do you remember the beach and them going rhino and elephant, all of them? They had a lot of problems with the, doing that. They were, so they were not, far less. always a dream scenario. They were far less experienced back then. That's true. So the the um, cool thing is, yes, they they do this. They do this process of adding to their numbers and and doing uh, expanding their battle morphs um, over a couple of days, and then we get a very emotional scene where Cassie's dad gets to come in and play um, the the moral or ethical argument side of things that Cassie used to play. Yeah. No, that and was and good. now that was now really Cassie's good. no longer the voice of reason necessarily, but she's got a voice of reason that's even farther well, she's left of her. Yeah, she's the voice of reason still, but her line in the sand has moved so many times over the series right. that you know now her dad, who raised her and gave her her original moral compass, uh, is maybe who she would have been. Yes, you know, a few years ago. It, it's but now it's not. It's exactly like the old the original cassie from book one is is what her dad represents now and her just flying away from her dad and not even answering him was was pretty that's rough (laughs) well you know she's like i know what's best now i'm I'm looking out for the best interest of jake right Mm -hmm. um um but then they go on this other mission. So they're like, hey, we, we got these 17 new Animorphs. It went super well. Let's find some more kids. Right. They're still trying to expand. And instead of going to, like, disabilities, they're like, now we need blind people specifically. So the, the climax and the end of this book takes place uh, at this big battle at a school for the blind, oddly enough. It's like a weird location, and I had a hard time kind of picturing it, but I just imagined a very generic sort of, you know, like office building-y kind of I kind of pictured like an orphanage with just rows of beds and a bunch of kids in the beds. That's kind of how it, it described it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This could be something I, I made up in a fever dream. <laughs> this girl with the red hair, who the first one they give the morphine power to, she shows up again, doesn't she? 
at the end of the series? No, I don't. I don't think that they actually recruited her. I, as I understand it, they show up there and they start talking to this girl, but then before they can like recruit her and more blind kids, that's when the the mission goes sour and uh, Tom and the controllers kind of bust in. So no, I think she. I think she gets the morphing power. I could be wrong, but I think she does, and I I feel like she shows up at the end of the series. Like, they mention her again. You might be confusing her with Colette, but I didn't write this in my summary, so I don't believe so. And then I also wanted to point out that, yeah, the the names for anyone that's added here in this book and and later is um, not the most expanded upon. So this is a, a quote from Cassie. Uh, hold on. An ad just popped up. There we go. Um, the blind red haired girl who had been observed on infrared camera talking to Jake and Rachel had escaped before the Yerks could come back for her. She'd simply walked out of the facility in Rachel morph. Oh, okay. So you're right. They, they did end up giving her the morphing power and she did get out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I guess it didn't specify if she's added to the team, but I would assume she is. So we can put that. To no, us. I think she disappears. I think she just goes into hiding. Oh, yeah. Well, Although recruited, here's a note under her her Seropedia page. Although <laughs> recruited to be a member of the auxiliary animorphs, she never joined the Andalite Yurk War. Wow, the one character that got off scot free, got it easy. She got a Rachel morph. Oh, I would, whoa, whoa, I would hold love on. a Rachel there's, morph. There's more. There's more notes here, uh, and I don't. Again, I think she's brought up in another book. I think she is. But it says at the end, luckily, Elena was able to exit the school in Rachel Morph before the Yarks could return to capture her. Unable to return to the school, Elena was then found by the Animorphs and relocated to the Horkbeteer Valley. So she's there at the end. She okay. just never joins the war. Oh, that is awesome. Well, good. Glad to have I bet that her. happens in like Elena. the next book or something, and we're just spoiling ourselves. It might, to be honest with you. Um, so the, there's a big battle that breaks out here at the School for the Blind, and... Um, Tom is conveniently there and we get a nice showdown between him and Jake. Uh, it's a pretty by the numbers battle scene, except with the addition of these new kids who are all, um, obviously not experienced to combat in any way. And we have, uh, is it Colette or is it Kelly that gets like seriously injured in the fight? I think it's Colette. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I, I think one it was, of them. I think it was Kelly, but who Might cares about this? One, one of the girls. It's it's an interesting um, uh, concept, I guess, that these these new kids are entering the fight for the first time, and um, we get to go through that similar experience of a of a character getting mortally wounded and like having to just morph out just in time. Well, you even hear them tell they tell the auxiliary the animorphs like, "You guys aren't ready. We weren't expecting a fight here." Like, stay out. And the auxiliary animorphs decide to come anyway and come in and fight. And they're very lucky that nobody got even worse hurt or killed in their first big battle. I mean, it's no it's no Yurk pool invasion like the animorphs had to deal with. Uh, but it's still like, you know, we're dealing with blue band hork at this point. Like, they're fighting the elites straight off the bat. Yeah, and this is a real turning point because they screw up big time. And this is where Tom takes control of the morphing cube. He captures everybody. Cassie's the only one who kind of makes it out and brings the auxiliary uh, Animorphs in for backup. And mm-hmm. 
they they manage to get the morphing cube back from Tom. James gets it, in fact. So MVP, goat, whatever you want to call it, he he really shows <laughs> his usefulness here. And oh, and we didn't mention it, but James is one of the ones who was also healed. He was healed by the morphing power, and he still you know decides to fight and and lead the auxiliary animorphs. Yeah, uh, another really good like inherent leader trait just demonstrated right there with that so Mm -hmm. excellent you know character development right off the bat um yeah but visor one shows up to the battle uh real quick (laughs) as he tends to do you're right and everyone's fighting oh i have it written right here because it's this point in the story where kelly is the one who almost dies in the battle you're right aha i knew she was important in some regard somehow (laughs) <laughs> but visitor one manages to you know trap jake where it looks like he's in a really bad spot and uh we get a little hint at a random like hork yerk freedom fighter is, is the one that mm-hmm. comes to the rescue which is really cool because it's it's a hint of what's to come and it's just you know a pretty good twist it was unexpected it's just great you see the yerks i mean this is really laying the seeds for whether they can be defeated or not because even even in a random battle the yurks have uh you know breaks in the armor of their uh, you know they have the they have the yurk freedom force they have forces they don't even know about working against them like this should have been an easy win for them and it's not <laughs> right uh so they they know when to get away from battle at this point and they they sense a retreat um but but tom still has the morphing cube he like managed to recover it in the fray oh and i love love this scene this goes back to the jake book where he was talking about when he almost had to kill uh tom before and when he was talking to his dad and all that like talking about stalking uh tom do you remember his dream he He had a dream where he was Mm -hmm. in tiger morph stalking tom through the jungle yep yep so this this is coming to fruition, but I love that Jake is like really hurt in his morph. This tiger is like bleeding out, and he's still like talking about like it's almost like the tiger instincts are seeping in a little bit. How he's patting his paws and being quiet, and Tom doesn't even know he's really after him, and he's he's getting ready for the kill. He's gonna get him. Yes, <laughs> he's gonna get him. Yeah, you're right. He he hadn't demorphed from the the bloody battle so far, and. Mm-hmm. Cassie is the only one who actually sees um, him doing this because, yeah, you're right. They, they've moved out of the school for the blind, and I guess they're, like, moving into the They're going the through forest. the forest, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Which is, again, a very fitting setting for all of this. And Cassie is, like you said, she she's put in a position where she's got a choice, and uh, it's it's really, I think, up to the reader, and it will be determined if she made the right one or not. And what she did was end up pouncing on Jake to stop him from going to do what he's, whatever he's going to do. It's, it's, you know, pretty ambiguous, but it's pretty hinted at that he is ready to do whatever it takes, including taking Tom's life at this point to stop him. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the, it's the thing that could have easily, swung the war in in the yurks favor like the animorphs were already at their wits end trying to fight back the yurks the yurks had numbers they have technology they have everything they already needed to beat the animorphs and now they also have the morphing technology and that's a hundred percent cassie made this choice which i i love that parallel between the idea that 
the whole book, Cassie's trying to build up Jake to be the leader who makes these hard decisions for the war. And then Cassie takes away the decision from him. She pushes him. Yeah, you're right. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's the ultimate decision or the ultimate choice um, that, that the book is themed around here because I, I gotta be honest. I think she made the wrong call. She, she did this for Jake. She wasn't thinking about the overall war effort. Well, see, I, I disagree. She saw Jake as the only way they could win the war. Jake's leadership up to this point had done it. She saw him as the only way. If he had killed his brother, he might have fully had a breakdown, even if it was for the right reasons, even if it was, you know, they would have probably lost their leader flat out. Um, so, you know, the, I, the psychological I feel like... ramifications, you're right, would have played a huge role on on or a, a huge and, toll on jake and you could very much you know again spoilers for the last book but i think it's very much jake's decisions at the end of the war that win them the war so lose jake might lose the war that's that's the decision she's really making and i think it's really interesting here at the end that cassie i didn't realize that she lies to everyone she the moralistic cassie decides to tell everyone you know i didn't know that he was going to get away with the morphing cube. I was just trying to stop you from getting killed or, or, you know, stop something else from happening. And she, she kind of lies to Jake and she lies to her parents and tells everyone she didn't know what she was doing. Oh yeah. Well, I guess I didn't pick up on that um, point, but that's really interesting um, that you mentioned that. Uh, So yeah, her, her, I, I don't see frankly why she didn't instead lunge at Tom and just, try to disable him so much that he couldn't resist or fight back to them capturing him um, and then starving out the yerk, you know, over the course of a couple of days. I think with Jake and the mindset he was in, it might have turned into a, a fight between her and Jake and then Tom gets away anyway. Um, I think, I don't know, I think Jake was in a bad, bad mindset at the end of this book. And so, you know, he was pretty close to the edge already. And this this might have been. There's definitely smarter things that could have happened. They could have demorphed and then morphed a bird and tried to follow him or I don't know. No, if they um, had just mangled his legs. I know this is, sounds bad, <laughs> but mangle his legs, demorph, and then carry him back to base as human um, and then starve him out. Or, or try to make some kind of deal with the Yurk. Maybe, you know, starvation is a horrible, painful death for a Yurk. Convince him that he can crawl out of Tom's head and they'll just give him a quick stomping, painful Look, death. Look, have they, have they tried, even tried, to maybe put one of those uh, like computer cleaner air canisters in one ear and blow the Yurk out the other <laughs> side? I mean, it's worth trying. Maybe, a, maybe a Chi has a, like a reverse vacuum uh, mm-hmm. attachment that it could use to do something like that. I'm just saying, or or just give you know, uh, if they don't like people with disabilities, you know, maybe just uh, yeah, lose those legs. Um, <laughs> yeah. York would come right out. Well, there there were I think a number of different things that Cassie could have done or might have suggested in this moment, but with uh, everything the way that it was going, uh, with like pressure and um they're still on this high from battle. Yeah. I'm sure it was, it was hard to think straight, but 
this is what she does, and we've got to spend the last couple books dealing with this change because it's it's a huge change in the Cassie Jake dynamic going forward. I, I think he, he, he doesn't trust her anymore. Her. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. She tried to you know do what was right in her mind for him, and ended up, I think, doing the opposite. Right? She, yeah. She didn't think that. So, through. So, yeah, so we have that little scene at the end, um, back at the camp and everything that, that deals with um, Cassie kind of lying to everyone and them questioning her and her in her head, telling them what her real decisions are and why she thought that was the right way to go. Um, let's jump into your review. I want to hear what, you, what you're going to give this book. Yeah, so I'm, I'm super on the fence because I, you know, I want to have some consistency with our rating scale and I want to try not to just give all of these books that i love so much fives based on all the nostalgia uh that said it's really hard for me to distinguish this book between a four and a five um there are a couple of things that i would like expanded on yeah there's always going to be those hashtag i want that book or you know i want that side plot moments um more development with these characters more time spent with them it's just that that that's not really what this book is about. That's kind of all a setup and a backdrop to what this book is really about, which is Cassie's love for Jake um, as a person, as a leader, and just wanting the best for him and not quite knowing what that is or how to do it. And she sees the man he uh, she loves kind of falling apart. Um, and she's, she's so focused on doing what's right for him. Uh, but I think the idea of adding more Animorphs to the team is something that could easily be mined for, you know, more stories and plots, um, earlier in the series and later in the series. Uh, it's, it's really excellent that we got that introduction to it now. And I love all those characters. So I, I think after talking about this, I I'm pretty set on, on my actual rating um, because I think this, like I said, it's, it's a really easy read. I read this book in under two hours, um, mostly in one sitting. Um, and it just, it's just made it such a delight. It really did. And I think this, this is going to end up being a five out of five schools for the blind for me. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm trying not to think about future ratings or ratings we've given in the past i'm trying to take these as they come and if if you know these ending books all rate super high then that's that's the quality the end of the series is putting out there um for this book i feel like this read different than almost every other animorph book we've gotten um obviously we're in the end obviously we're dealing with exciting plot points that are leading us to the end of the war and we know a lot of what's coming obviously it's it's being flavored by all of that um but i don't think we've gotten a book like this that has uh such uh emotional stakes and, and the kind of uh characters who are really uh being introduced at the last minute but setting themselves up as as real characters the characters you care about after just meeting them uh very quickly and the excitement of the beginning of the animorphs uh and and you know being turned into an Animorph to begin with and, and getting your first morphs and, and fighting your first fight. You get all of that in this book on top of 
these moral and philosophical arguments that we've never seen in Animorphs book before. I mean, Animorphs touches on those kind of things all the time, but we've never seen it to this degree and so well logically fought uh, from multiple sides. Like this is this is probably the most interesting uh, Animorphs book from that perspective. And, and on top of that, I mean, this is an Animorphs book that really hit me emotionally and and um, is really going to take me to the end of the series with really worrying about these kids and then you know and then knowing what's going to happen to them it's just it's awful but it's it's making it more real for me so you know again not thinking about any other books or or giving too many good ratings uh, i can't not give this uh five out of five fake skiing accidents (laughs) so that's uh that's my rating okay lovely and i love that reference as well one of the characters backstories there um cool well i i really would recommend like if if you wanted to just do the end series books this is probably a really good starting point for that no no i disagree with that completely you gotta start like two books ago no no (laughs) forget the even the tobias one that i enjoyed not not super necessary to the overall no i think tobias tobias is the is the is the much better starting for the end because that's when they tell their parents. That's when they come out. Yes, and and come out to the to the Yurks. That's that's why that one's. Important. That actually reminds me of one uh, uh, detail that I could mention here. Uh, the backs of the books always have the very notorious. Um, we can't tell you who we are or where we live. It's too risky. That blurb, that is still the same up until this book. However. The next book that we are reviewing is Animorphs number 51, The Absolute. And that is the book in which the new blurbs take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll read it then. However, I think it's worth pointing out that, like you said, I think the new blurbs should have started a book ago on the Tobias ones. Yeah. So I do want to point out one other thing. Um, that I meant to put in my review, but I'll talk about here real quick. Go for it. Uh, yeah, we we on Thought Speak have been pretty hard on Cassie as a character. No, uh, speci- no, no. <laughs> if you if you've been if you've been listening from the beginning, and if you are a recent listener who just binged all our episodes, which I know there's a few of you, um, we we go pretty hard on Cassie at the beginning of this podcast, yeah, uh, okay. and because a lot of her books are are really rough. But, you know, when you get to 19, when you get to the sickness, uh, that's when the Cassie books start turning around. Mm. And for me, who, who again, really lambasted Cassie at the beginning of this podcast, what an amazing book to end on for her, for her books. Like, she mm. herself has become a much more interesting character. She's not um, just this, this moral statement that this conscience for the team she herself is is now grounding the team and probably keeping them sane um so cassie i apologize you, for what i've done okay i i will say that cassie really did co- become one of my favorite characters most surprisingly and she has always been one of the most surprising and resourceful characters i especially liked her solo trip to the yerk pool adventure back in the sickness mm-hmm. And it was a really cool callback in this book where during that brief moment where the whole team has been captured and she's going to get the auxiliary anamorphs, um, she's she's thinking about all of her options and she's like considering that maybe they've already been taken to the Yerk Pool and she's going to have to lead another assault on the Yerk Pool with a brand new team. 
and that could have yeah. been an, an entirely interesting. I want to read that book. Exactly right. It, it was hinted yeah. at, and and it didn't happen. But Cassie is is really probably one of my top four, maybe three characters. Really, <laughs> it's a pretty small pool to have a top four. There's but, like yeah. at least six. So okay. <laughs> Main characters, yeah. that is. No, I, I don't think I've ever tried to rank the Animorphs characters, so maybe we should do that at the end of the series. I would love to do that at the at the end, have a little fun section. Um, the mm-hmm. next book that we're reading, like I said, is The Absolute, and it is the last Marco book. And I remember really, really enjoying this one as well. i got to stop saying that. It's redundant at this point. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun discussing that one as well. I think either this one or the one after this one is the last book I didn't read. The last I read book? everything. No, the last book in general that I hadn't read before. Have you have you, you know? read them all now though? No. I I started this podcast saying I have not read this entire series. So, I mean, this book, the the Tobias book before it, I've never read those books. Okay, okay. So that's really good to know actually. Uh and the next one, The Absolute is going to be a first time for you or not? Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm waiting every single book for them to blow up the town. Oh, God. Uh, you know, I know that happens. I just don't know when it happens. Okay, well, that's amazing, and it will give us a lot more incentive to put these things out. We have it scheduled so that we're going to be done with this by the summer, and, uh, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to you guys' support uh, as we wrap up this series, and we're ex- so excited, and, uh, I just, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah, well, I just want to uh, really give a shout-out real quick again to our, our patrons. And if you want to help out the show, you can do that at um, patreon.com slash thoughtspeakcast. And um, we never want to ask that you you know give money or support us financially if, if that's something that you can't do. I never want anyone to you know hurt themselves financially to help our little Animorphs podcast. But another way to help out the show is to leave a review. Whatever cast player you listen to podcasts on, Leave us a review. Let us know your thoughts on the on the, the reboot of this uh, podcast. And uh, that really helps out. Word of mouth as we get to the end of the books. So uh, we appreciate all your support. Just in general. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Michelle. And I've been Coleman. And we will see y'all next time.